right. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Here we are uh, for another day studying in the Word of God. And we are, let me get my banners up here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, I'm having a bad beard day, for, a bad haired beard, beard, beard hair day. <laughs> Do y'all have those, fellas? Ladies? <laughs> so having a bad, bad, <laughs> I said it twice and I didn't mess up, I messed up this time. A bad beard day. There you go. Now, it's it's doing a little curl down there. I guess I have to trim it a little bit better. Yeah, we'll do that. Let me see. Uh, okay. Now you're going to be focused on my beard the whole time, like, right? That's what you're going to do. All right. Anyway, good to see everybody. Hope hope you're having a good day today. Uh, welcome to Tuesday. Uh, here's Tuesday. And let me see here. Yesterday, we started uh, talking uh, about... Uh, Second Thessalonians chapter three verses one through five, and <clears throat> we were talking about now that uh, we've gotten past chapters one and two. You know, some pretty dreadful stuff, but now here we are in chapter three. And there's some there's some positive things, right? And yesterday we found number one that that there is a prayer there or here in these scriptures. Okay, um, sometimes friends. Uh, will let you down. As a matter of fact, people who you love and who love you, your own family, um, sometimes they'll let you down. Friends will sometimes disappoint you. They won't be faithful. People are pretty frail. People are weak. And at our best, none of us are as faithful as we ought to be. But I'm not, I'm not commending you to your uh, friends and family. I'm commending you to your Heavenly Father and faithful is the Lord, okay? That's what he's saying here, right? That's what's going on in these verses. That's a wonderful truth to know that our God is a faithful God. And it says not only who he is, but what he does. He says, who shall establish you? Now, the word establish means to absolutely strengthen. It means that he will provide all of the support that you need. He is the faith one. He is the one who establishes you, and that's what he does on the inside. That's his inside work. So that's how he strengthens you on the inside. He makes you strong on the inside, and he does something on the outside. And he will keep you from evil, which is the evil one, okay? God says, I'm going to guard you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. I'll keep you from the evil one. The devil is real. The Bible says there is a devil and a personal devil. The Bible teaches he's the evil one. and He wants to do harm to God's people, but the Bible says that God is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you from the evil one. Now, in the Old Testament, Satan came into the presence of God uh, one time, and God said to the devil, have I showed you my servant Job? There's nobody like Job on all the earth. He's a wonderful believer, this man is. So Satan says, well, does Job serve you for nothing? Then Satan continues. He says, you've got a hedge around Job. In other words, I can't get, I can't get to him. So that's what the Bible says. You're hedged about. So what happened to Job? Well, Satan asked permission to touch Job. And this is in the mysterious providences of God. It's the overall work of God and some of the strange work of God that that we may not always understand. 
But the point I'm trying to make is that God has a hedge around you, and the only way Satan can get uh, can get to you is, number one, he has to ask permission from God to get inside that hedge. And that's what happened to Simon Peter. Jesus said, Simon, Satan has desired you that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, he had to get permission. So for reasons that are ultimately only known in the eternities, right? And, and, in, and in the boundlessness yeah, of God, God allowed Satan within the hedge. But sometimes God gives permission for Satan to get inside that hedge because there's some stuff in our lives that needs to get out of there. That he may sift you as wheat. So why do you sift wheat? Well, they used to, they used to sift it all the time. And there's what's called chafe that's in the wheat that needs to be sifted away. Um, these days, when you sift flour and, and things of that nature uh, at home, uh, there's really not a lot... Of, you know, it, it's really so well processed that you, you can't find it as much. So people don't, may not understand that. Some of the older folks do. Um, they used to have, they would sift the flour to make sure there was, you know, the ch there was some leftover chafe that may have been in there. And so there was some chafe in Simon Peter's life. There was pride, arrogance that needed to be sifted out of, of his life and needed to be sifted out of Job's life. Okay. So the Lord said, okay, devil, put them in the sifter, and get rid of the chafe. Now, sometimes the Lord allows the devil to sift us or allows the devil to get into the hedge because there's some stuff in our lives that ought not to be there. And the fact of the matter is that Satan is actually, well, God's garbage man. God lets the garbage man take sometimes take some stuff out of our lives that ought not be there. That's one way. But there's another way Satan can touch you. There's something you can do you can get outside God's hedge of protection. So I want you to listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8. It says, Whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. There's a sense in which God keeps us, and then there's a sense in which we keep ourselves. And the Bible says we're to keep ourselves in the love of God. And if you break the hedge and go outside that protective care, he says the serpent's going to bite you. Well, the good news is, if you'll stay in God's protective care, only by permission can the devil touch you. And that's a wonderful promise. We need to claim that promise. Verse 3 of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Okay? What a promise. What a promise. Uh, the Lord is faithful. Faithful is the Lord. God can be utterly dependent on. So we have a prayer here, okay? We have a prayer here, but there's also a promise here. We just talked about the promise of God. But then there's a prescription that's here. Prescription. So in verses 4 and 5, this, this is, a, is quite the prescription for our daily lives. We have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do both, uh, both do and will do the things which we command you. There we go. So he's, he's talking about living your daily life. He says there's your part, then there is God's part. You do your part, and then God promises he'll do his part. So here's the prescription. The first part of, this, of the prescription is this. You do the will of God. Paul is very tactful in the way he goes about it. He's very complimentary. He says, I have full confidence 
about you that you're going to do uh, and, and that, you're, that, you, that you're going to do and that you will do the things you've been commanded to do, which is the will of God. You make that decision, right? I'm going to do the will of God. And God, as God reveals his will to you, you will do his will. Will to you, you'll do it. Okay, got it. So what is the will of God? Well, the will of God is the very best possible life that you could ever experience. That's the will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, God's will is good. God's will is perfect. God's will is acceptable. And you can count on the will of God. It's a wonderful life to live just doing the will of God. Make up your mind to do the will of God. Young people, you, you should make up your mind to do the will of God. Boys, girls, adults, everybody, make up your mind to do the will of God. Find out what God wants you to do and do it. There was a, a young lady uh, that came into a pastor study one time. This is a pastor friend telling me about this. Um, and uh, she thought that she, she felt that God was calling her to a special place of Christian service. Okay, so that young lady was getting ready to go off to school this was a number of years ago and uh, committed to do the will of God. Well, to be involved in the will of God every day and to do the will of God, right? So how do we do every morning? You know, what's the, what's the, what's the advice when you want to do the will of God? Well, every morning when you wake up, you ought to pray, Lord, I want to do your will today. I commit myself to do your will just one day at a time and, and wonder what God's will is for me 30 years down the road. Who knows? Don't worry about it. Think about the next morning, right? Now, today, Lord, what's your will for me today? Lord, wake up in the morning. Lord, what is your will for me, right? When you go to work in the morning, say, I'm going to do the will of God with his help today. So as you live for Jesus on a day-by-day -day basis, make up your mind that it will be the will of God. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. So that's a way to live. That, that's your part, right? That's your part. That's my part. You do the will of God, and then God commits himself to do his part. Verse 5, and the Lord directs your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. He's saying, you do the will of God, and God will direct your life. He'll lead your life. That's a beautiful word here. It's very direct. He said he's going to guide your life, and the Lord will guide your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 puts it this way. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Friends, we're living in the wilderness. We're living in a, in a desert land. We have a God who has committed himself to guide us. And when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, the Bible says that day by day there was a cloud, a, a pillow of cloud that led them. At night, that cloud became a pillar of fire that led them. You know, there was a hymn that, that, that's out there. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if people sing it much. It says, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Let the fire and cloudy... And yeah, the fire and cloudy pillow lead me all my journey through. Now, in the Old Testament, they had a cloud to guide them. But you and I have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and the Lord has committed himself to guide our lives if we are committed to do his will. 
You do his will, and he says, I'll direct your hearts into the love of God. I'll fill your life with my love. What a home for the heart, the love of God. To, to live every day of your life being guided by the Lord into his love, guided by the Lord into the patient waiting. That is the returning of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a shelter for the soul, the patient waiting for Jesus Christ. So Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, those are good life lessons. Amen? For someone who's looking for a life verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Isn't that a promise? Yeah. Do his will. Amen? Do his will. See, that's the way to live. It's a prescription for life. You, you cannot be in the way. You cannot be doing the will of God until you've done the first thing that, that is the will of God for you. The Bible says it is the will of, it is, it is the will of your Father in heaven that you come to repentance. The Bible says it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means it's the will of God for you that you repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the first step of life. And if you're willing to make that first step and give your life to Christ, you will start on a journey that will end in the love of God and in the patient waiting of Christ. You need to come to Jesus. Amen? And you're not here by accident. God has been arranging circumstances of, of your life, maybe even to bring you to this very broadcast today. Do you know what you need to do to give your life to Christ? Oh, friends, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, all of our, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We, it's not that we're, listen, people say, well, that means I'm not good. I'm not saying you're not good. What I'm saying is we can be good, but we just cannot be good enough to get to heaven on our own. Does that make sense? And so the Bible says because of that, we have a sin debt. And because of that debt of sin, we must do something with that debt of sin. And Jesus says, I will. I will take that debt of sin from you. He came, lived the perfect life, died on the cross. God the Father made Jesus sin for us. And he paid the price. And now the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, there's some folks, you know, I, I, I hesitate sometimes to say a prayer uh, because some folks say, oh, it's not as simple as saying a prayer. Well, some folks have a hard time praying. Some folks have a hard time knowing what to say. So I help them with a little prayer. I learned this a long time ago from another pastor. It's not original with me. And so, so here it is, dear Lord Jesus, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm lost. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. If you'll save me right now, I'll give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me in Jesus' name. You see, it's just a way to help you understand and to help your heart pray by faith. Just call out on the Lord. It doesn't have to be that exact prayer. You just call out on the Lord and say, God, forgive me. Save me. 
and he'll save you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Do you believe Jesus died for you? He did. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, that's our, our time together today. I hope you've had a good day today. Uh, I, I pray that uh, you have a good day, a good week, Lord willing. Uh, be safe in all that you do. Hey, know this pastor loves you. But most importantly, know Jesus loves you most. And he loved you so much. We just talked about that. He loves you so much that he died on the cross for you and wants a relationship with you, an eternal relationship with you. Amen. Well, friends, have a wonderful day. Until we meet again, bye-bye for now.